Hi, this is Marvin Strauch from the Oak Brook chapter of Trout Unlimited. You're listening to 1590 WCGO, Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Nowak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. I have no peers when answering inquiries on the telephone and fielding questions that would make a seasoned academic groan. It's not enough to know your pruning dates and germination stats. You must be an authority on deer and squirrels and bees and bats. As far as public speaking opportunities, I've never ducked. I wax at length on why the Bradford pears and Leyland self-destruct. In short, with just a smattering of facts and no apology... I've earned the title master, though it may be ornamentally. He's earned the title master, though it may be ornamentally. He's earned the title master, though it may be ornamentally. He's earned the title master, though it may be ornamentally. For all my skill and stature, I remain quite humble and prefer that trainees, when we socialize, are not obliged to call me sir. But still, in matters seedy, one would not be remiss to infer I am the very model of a modern master gardener. But still, in matters seedy, we would not be remiss to infer he is the very It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio. Flavored with a dash of humor. Welcome to intelligent, irreverent talk about plants and the planet they grow on. Your questions, comments, and participation are always welcome at 877-711-5611. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas, wind blowing through breathing trees, strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Good planets. This week's show is brought to you by Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, USA made with a five year warranty. Jumpstart your plants with Better Light. And by Sitka Salmon Shares, bringing responsible and sustainable wild Alaskan seafood direct to your door. And here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. And welcome to the show. What I think I'm, what are you looking at? (laughs) You're like, are you trying to stand so tall they can't get a camera on you? Because we are streaming live yes. on Facebook, as always. And that ding is not for Mark Zuckerberg, okay? That's that's for our crew in, in the control room. That's for uh, Randall and Ellie. No Andrew today. You know why? Because he didn't bring the donuts. He did not bring the donuts, and he's ashamed of himself. We're going to shame Andrew. It's donut shame. We're going Aww, to... poor Andrew. <laughs> we love Andrew. We love Andrew. Andrew's a wonderful guy. Uh, and uh, Peggy and I are here today. Uh, I have no idea why. What uh, day is it? I actually beat you to the studio, which never <laughs> happens. I think, would you hit, you hit the snooze button one more time? Uh, and that's because we're, we're running on fumes t- today, folks. We are absolutely operating on fumes. Uh, that's because we, uh, well, it's not just yesterday. Yesterday was the culmination of a pretty intense couple of mm-hmm. weeks. Um, the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards ceremony was held yesterday, 
at the Garfield Park Conservatory uh, in uh, beautiful west side of Chicago, and we had 150 gardeners in the room and their friends, and we had staff, and we had our co-conspirators, our unindicted co-conspirators. Uh, had a lot of great energy in that room yesterday. It was just terrific, yeah. and, and if you haven't been following this, where have you been? Um, Peggy and I have been talking about this for months because the Mike Novak Show and Natural Awakening Chicago and nine other organizations uh, put together an awards. This is our second year. We've already done two. You can ding it. Yeah. Give ourselves a ding. I'll give <laughs> give everybody a get ding. Get a beer ding give as well. A ding. Uh, and uh, it looks like, <laughs> uh, please don't tell me there's going to be a third year. Uh, I guess there is. Uh, Ellie's in charge of next year. We're putting Ellie in charge of everything. <laughs> She's next heading year. for the door right now. You have no idea, Ellie. <laughs> you just have no idea what the last couple of weeks have been like. Uh, because we've been putting the program together and getting the awards out and the certificates. Do you have a – well, we're not even going to show the sign. Yeah, we'll look at that because later. Because we're going to have some of the gardeners on the show today, um, and they're going to talk mm-hmm. about their Chicago gardens and what makes them special. And uh, folks, wherever you are in the country, you listen to these folks because they know what they're doing. They're award winners. And what they're doing here, you can do anywhere. Yes, you can uh, with uh, and a lot of them are so inspired, so so creative, uh, so committed to their yeah. neighborhoods and their friends. And uh, it was. I think that's one of the fun things of putting all this together is we're able to see what everybody's doing. We we got this great cross view of the whole city. Uh, and uh, before we talk to those people, and we're and, and some of them some of them going to be in studio, some of them on the phone. But uh, I hope you get inspired, too, and maybe next year you'll enter the contest. Uh, you can go to ChicagoGardeningAwards.org for all that information uh, or to Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards on Facebook. Uh, also, uh, before that, Thomas Rayner is going to be on the show. We're very excited to have Thomas on, yeah. registered landscape architect, teacher, public speaker, uh, author, um, and um, he's... He's written a book called Planting in a Post-Wild World, but we're not talking about that, although we're talking about elements of that. Uh, we're going to talk uh, on the, the eve of him coming to Chicago to speak at the Impact Conference. We talked a little bit about that last week, uh, and he's another guest, and he's got some very interesting mm-hmm. ideas about plants and how to grow them. So stick around for all of that. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We hope you have some fun today because we will. We'll be right back. <laughs> The 11th Annual Green Living Expo returns to McHenry County College on Saturday, November 3rd, and we hope you'll join us there. New this year is the Clean Transportation Exhibit, featuring electric cars and bikes. The college solar and super mileage team race cars are back, and this year they're bringing a hybrid engine truck. The expo also features a 2,500-gallon fish tank where you can see many species of Fox River fish. Visit with area farms, CSAs, and other organizations to learn about local agriculture. And, of course, there's 100 green exhibits, local food purveyors, sustainable artists, and vendors of all kinds. They'll even be on-site battery recycling. Did I mention that the Green Living Expo is free and open to the public? Mike and I will be there, and you should join us. McHenry County College, Saturday, November 3rd from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Go to mchenry.edu slash greenexpo or contact the MCC Office of Sustainability at 815-479-7765.
Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Ego Salon. They use only the safest, most natural, professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color, perms, and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne Keratin Smoothing Products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at organicrootsecosalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. And uh, let's just let's go right to the phone and bring in our guest this morning, Thomas Rainier. Rainer. <laughs> Thomas, you got to understand, uh, as I mentioned in the first part of the show, we're operating on fumes this morning. So it's been a, a really interesting week for us. Uh, but uh, we're, we're a little tired this morning. But uh, Thomas Rayner is going to be here in Chicago on Tuesday speaking at the Impact Conference uh, put on by the Illinois Landscape Contractors Association. And I mentioned this today because today is the final day to register. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're a landscaper, if you're in the industry, if you're thinking about doing that, if you just want to learn some really, and, and then the point of the Impact Conference is sustainability. And that's another reason why we have Thomas uh, on the show. Anyway, Thomas, good morning and welcome. Good morning, Mike and Peggy. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's it's such a pleasure to have you on because uh, you're you're a fancy guy, um, <laughs> you Not know. Too fancy, uh, you know, and I call myself a legend in my own garden. Um, maybe you, <laughs> maybe 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 you are too. My, my wife says I'm a legend in my own head. So uh. okay, you know, and and I I know people who are legends in their own ecosystems. Uh, it just goes on and on and on. <laughs> And you may you may borrow that from me uh, if you want. Uh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> uh, tell us a little bit about uh, the work you do. I could do that, but I, I will let you explain uh, yourself uh, what you find important in the landscaping world. Sure, uh, I'm a landscape architect by training. Uh, I've practiced in the Washington D.C. area. Um, I have a small firm called Fido Studio. Um, uh, that's my wife and my other business partner, Claudia West, and. Uh, our focus really uh, is on planting design. Uh, we, we do, you know, full-scale garden design and, and commercial. We, we kind of do it all, but uh, we really focus a lot on creating uh, design plant communities. Uh, we really kind of focus on the um, thinking about plants not as objects but as systems um, and applying that to different landscapes. And, and while that's kind of a really narrow idea, we think that's an idea that's increasingly um, needed, uh, whether you're doing a green roof or, you know, a, a, a campus landscape that has the money to be planted, but, you know, doesn't have the operational cost to uh, do a high-maintenance perennial border, for example. So we're really looking for strategies that maximize biodiversity 
uh, and beauty uh, at the same time uh, balancing uh, things that are low maintenance and fit within the maintenance resources that our clients have. Now, because you you say you're in the D.C. area, Washington, D.C., and we're this show is on in various parts of the country, um, would you say that your principles, your techniques apply uh, anywhere that people are growing plants? Yeah. yeah, that's a great question. Absolutely. I think we're we're really looking at, um, our, our model is to look at the way that plants grow in the wild. And I think it's, you know, it's a very common thing for designers, especially landscape designers, to say they're inspired by nature. I think we all are at a certain way. But I think in a really specific way, we, we are really focused on looking at the ground plane and how plants grow in the wild and how social plants are. And if you just, you know, ponder uh, a moment of weeds in a patch of lawn, um, what is really fascinating to me is kind of watching how plants kind of intermingle and how they um, curl together, how these, these uh, biodiverse patches tend to be very, they all have different shapes. So you might have like an upright turf grass with clover spreading horizontally mm-hmm. or a dandelion that has a taproot, which is very different than the fiber strength of all those grasses. And so, you know, while we don't love the weeds, obviously, um, those are low-maintenance, you know, highly diverse, sustainable systems. And it's kind of what nature does almost everywhere, except the most, you know, except for deserts, for example, or tundras or, you know, really punishing sites. Uh, plants cover ground. It's kind of their job. Yeah, no, no bare ground. American landscape, when we look at the American landscape, um, we are looking around these suburban landscapes or office parks that are just covered in lawn and um, just a sea of mulch underneath kind of upright shrubs and really, really think there's a place in this landscape for a whole lot more biodiversity. And and, and frankly, it just looks better to kind of have the skirt of plants uh, in between. So so that's really the way we're inspired is is this, that, that, that thick social network of plants that, that blankets and carpets. Well, you know, uh, talking to you and hearing you speak just now, just uh, an idea popped into my head, which is a scary thing altogether. Um, but I want to follow up on what you said about the typical lawn, because your work is about one of the things you tell people is look at the structure of the plant. You just met, alluded to that uh, and look at the shape, look at how it grows. You give, you give points, award to points of how easily plants spread, um, and you base that. But most people aren't doing that, okay? They, they're looking at uh, something they see in a nursery. And I'm talking about the – I'm not talking about landscapers here. They should know better. Sure. Uh, but they don't. They don't know better either. They're, you know, and I think you're addressing landscapers on how to put things in their yards. I'm looking more at the average Joe who's got a home and trying sure. to put in a decent garden. So I imagine you have to figure out how to talk to both people, as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but something you said just now fascinates me, which is, you know, look at the weeds. You've got dandelions with a taproot and you've got other you've got the turf with the, the shallow, usually shallow root system. Um, and it seems to me that you can learn a lot about plants just by looking at your yard and the weeds that grow at them, grow in them. Um, for instance, as you said, we, we just talked about turf and dandelions, but then look at clover with the, uh, how it spreads 
and some of the other weeds in in, in your lawn, maybe um, uh, ground ivy or creeping Charlie, as people call it, which yeah. which spreads by runners. And these are all different ways these plants grow. And by looking at that, you can take those principles and, and adapt them to plants that, that you actually want in your yard. And and that sounds to me like the basis of what you're trying to teach. Yeah, that was well said. I think that's exactly right. I think for homeowners, uh, we're encouraging people to look at places in your yard where you have uh, maybe mulch, perpetual mulch. Um, and, and there's a reason we put the mulch there, right? Because if we don't put the mulch, we know what happens, right? The weeds, mm-hmm. weeds come. But the, but the weeds tell us in some ways, weeds are really just nature filling an open niche. And in many ways, by perpetually kind of keeping mulch, you know, two to four inches of mulch in our planting beds, we're keeping our gardens in a perpetual establishment phase. You know, we're never really allowing the community that wants to come there. And if we stop mulching, you know, the weeds fill in. And and our, our premise is relatively simple. It's, it's, you know, don't you don't have to rip out the lawn. You don't have to rip out your foundation plants or the, those upper layer plants that you might already have. It's just to kind of look at those areas and understand that we can underplant, you know, plant underneath and around right. with a whole range of ground covers. And just by doing that, you can add a whole lot more softness to your landscape. And I, I think the American suburban, suburban landscape really needs that. You know, we have way too much kind of um, wall-to-wall carpeting lawn. Um, and, and then our, our shrubs tend to be over-pruned meatballs kind of in the base of the house. <laughs> so, you, know, you, can, you can keep both of those. I'm, I, I'm not, not busting on either one of those. <laughs> I have a lawn, an eight-year-old who wants to throw a football. No, it's just the over-pruned meatball. Ugly, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I have, an, I have an ugly foundation, too, that, you know, having some clipped evergreens certainly helps a little bit. But, you know, if you kind of pull, maybe have 10 feet in between that zone or even five feet where you have some, Really soft, low-layered, uh, you know, coreopsis and sedges, and mm-hmm. this kind of low-native perennials that kind of fill that gap. It's not only you're adding a lot more biodiversity; you're doing a lot for the butterflies and the bees. Um, you're sequestering a lot of carbon, but but it just will kind of soften. It's a nice skirt that well, really well, creates a lot it, of. Uh, if I can jump in here, and, uh, and helps to shape the space. Yeah, uh, but what I want to make sure is people understand exactly what you're talking about because some of what you're saying, they could say, well, okay, uh, I'm going to look for those uh, empty areas, but where they're not going to look is uh, under their rose bush. They're going to say, well, that's my rose bush, and I can't, I can't plant things under that, or I'm going to look at this other shrub, and I can't plant under that because that's the shrub. That is, that is its area, right. and it gets its own area. And what you're saying is, no, it's just part of the landscape. It's just another plant there, and it's a tall, upright plant. And if you want to uh, make that area whole, uh, W-H-O-L-E, you add a softness yeah. to it, like an understory plant. So you're not afraid to go in and just find the open area wherever it is. It doesn't have to be completely open. It can be an understory, right? Right. right. No, I think that's a great point because I think for us, we, we look at how um, plants are layered in the wild, uh, whether it's the forest or even a prairie in the Midwest, even the meadows, which we kind of look at as like one carpet. But if you start kind of pulling apart a meadow, there are actually canopy grasses in the meadow and then the kind of mid-height grasses and underneath all of that, if you just get on your hands and knees mm-hmm. in a meadow, there's a whole range of species that grow underneath other plants. And so for us, we're encouraging people in gardens to kind of look exactly what you said. You know, so many of our gardens are filled with 
wonderful plants, you know, roses and hydrangeas, uh, rhododendrons, these, these plants that bloom for, you know, maybe a week. Um, they yeah. look great when they're blooming, but then the show's over. Um, yeah. And then a lot of these plants we, we kind of set in a sea of mulch. And we think, you know, you can look, uh, you can keep those plants, we're not, you know, Keep the plants that you love and make your yard look good, but but really pay attention to how you can underplant. Um, and the way you can tell, like what what plant to put in what layers. I mean, even, even perennials. You know, a lot of ferns and grasses, for example, they're always sold as a ground cover. But we would say not all these plants are good ground covers. You can look at, um, and the way you tell is you look at the plant the way a rabbit would see the plant. They're not from up high, <laughs> but plants have this body language that'll tell you kind of what layer they want to be in. And so a tall, upright grass is kind of vase-shaped, or a fern, like a cinnamon fern, that, you know, is kind of an upright plant that has a leggy base. If you've got bare legs on your plant, like a lot of our shrubs, most roses can have bare legs, most hydrangeas have that. That's a wonderful opportunity to think about, you know, maybe a horizontally spreading plant or something like a low sedge that you could kind of tuck along the base of that plant. Yeah. Um, uh, all right, let's let's address and and when I wrote my blog about what you're doing, and by the way, we're talking to uh, landscape architect Thomas Rayner. Uh, one of the ways I de- described you is as a heretic. Um, now, uh, you are only to the degree that the word hasn't gotten out about a lot of these ideas because I I've been listening to the gospel of cut back on your mulch for years from Roy Diblick here in Chicago. Yeah. All right. And you know, Roy, yeah. and there are other people who say, yeah. you know, we've got to get away from the mulch culture. We really do because yeah. you know what it's like, especially because I know you plant some of those tough areas like in a parking lot, a little strip in a parking lot. And basically what, what Roy says is what you see is you see a layer of mulch and uh, some Russian sage and some daylilies and, and they consider that a landscape. Um, and, right. and, and they all do – the Russian sage will probably actually do very well, but it's not very inspiring. Um, because right. Rush, we know Russian sage likes really harsh conditions, um, and and the plants are not necessarily natives. And um, w- you know what are we doing here? This is a cookie cutter mentality. So tell us why you're not a fan of. Mul- You've already again uh, um, alluded to that in, in, in talking to us, but tell us why mulch is a problem. Yes, yeah, so we we think mulch is a is a. I think of mulch as a tool, and there are wonderful kinds and uses for it, especially during, you know, establishment of a new planting. Uh, we can use you know, sometimes more compost uh, kind of as a mulch layer in early mm-hmm. uh, planting. But I think we're trying to draw attention to exactly what you said, this kind of culture, particularly American culture, of piling two to four inches of mulch constantly throughout the beds. Um, and it's not something, if you ever traveled to gardens in Europe or traveled in Japan and kind of see what landscapes, I mean, our American mulch culture, and it's frankly something that's really happened more in the last uh, two and a half decades or so. If you look at um, images of gardens in America in the 50s, we didn't have mulch culture quite as bad as we had. No. Now. But just to, to kind of call people's attention to the way that they're uh, vastly under-vegetating our human landscapes. And, and I think there's a, the reason why, and I think I'm not doing a good job of kind of pointing out why I think this matters. Um, and we are urbanizing at a pace unprecedented in human history. Um, right now, the planet is in the midst of the sixth mass extinction of plants and animals off the face of the earth. By the middle of the century, they think we'll lose 30 to 50% of all species. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, there's all those kind of depressing statistics there. But at the same time, I think people are longing for an experience of nature, you know, hungry for something different than another manicured lawn or some poor shrubbery at the base of a building pruned within light. Um, these are not joyous landscapes. They're not abundant landscapes. No, they're not joyous at all. It, you know what I would say? If I, um, we're going to break here in a second, Thomas, but... Uh, you're you're talking about their longing for some kind of nature, but they're also for some reason. Uh, I I would I would uh, uh, talk about the flip side of that, which is they also are neatness freaks. We we have you know we want to pave over everything. We want to mm-hmm. cut it back. You talked about the the uh, lollipop uh, shrubs that we have, and so when we create these spaces that have all this open space with mulch, that's kind of an imperative too. So how do we marry? Those two imperatives together—the the one that's that you you allude to, which is the uh, need for nature, with the one that everybody seems to have, which is the need for neatness or and control, actually order, order in the uh, natural world. How do we marry that? Yeah, that, that's a great question because I think we we think that need for neatness and order is important, and for us, we we think about. Um, Using uh, these, we think about framing landscapes in very strong ways. And so, the more that you embrace kind of naturalistic or herbaceous planting, the more it needs to be framed. And, and what we mean by frames is, you know, a patch of lawn. I think is a wonderful contrast to uh, an herbaceous planting. Things like hedges, all of those things that we naturally do, these kind of neat um, frames that we have in our landscape. Okay, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to hold you there, Thomas. We're just about to break. Sure. Let's. Hold on to that thought. We'll be back. Thomas Raynor. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. From boat to doorstep, you can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. If you're a landscaper, educator, administrator, or even a homeowner who's figured out that uh, a couple of junipers and a lawn just ain't sustainable, the 2018 Impact Conference is for you. Presented by the Illinois Landscape Contractors Association, this day-long event looks at how plant communities, soil, natural lawn care, stormwater management, and designing for habitat are long overdue parts of smart landscaping. Impact is October 16 at the Chicago Botanic Garden. Go to ilca.net slash impact dash conference. Are you looking for a new ride? Ready to leave gas stations in the dust and speed down the highway 0 to 60 in under 3 seconds? Well, here's your chance. The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2018 Tesla Model X. The award-winning all-electric SUV and only 2,500 tickets will be sold. Come on, we all know fossil fuels are going the way of the dinosaurs, but you don't have to. Switch your ride to an electric car by entering the 2018 Illinois Solar Energy Association raffle. All it takes is one ticket for $100 or increase your chances by getting four tickets for $300 at IllinoisSolar.org. So bury your fossil fuel car, go green with Tesla, and be part of a cleaner tomorrow. All raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association, a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. Winner will be drawn at the ISEA member meeting on December 6, 2018, and does not need to be present. Anyone in the continental U.S. is eligible, so get your tickets, the rules, and other small print details at IllinoisSolar.org today.
You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We're having a very interesting conversation with Thomas Rayner, uh, who's a landscape architect um, and heretic, as I said earlier. He's going to be speaking uh, at the Impact Conference for the Illinois Landscape Contractors Association here in Chicago on Tuesday. If you want information about that, you can go to my website, MikeNovak.net. Like I said before, this today is the last day you can sign up for it. And, and it looks like it's going to be jam-packed, Thomas, so that's a good thing, especially considering you're doing the keynote. Nothing worse than doing a keynote for 15 mm-hmm. people in a large auditorium. <laughs> and, then, and you've got a breakout session as well. So. Yeah, so I, and I bet you have. I yeah. bet you've done that before. We've all done that. I. <laughs> Uh, my my favorites my favorites are the ones where one person shows up to and, something and sits you... about twelve rows back. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I'm much less nervous when it's just one. Though. <laughs> well, you know, I just say, "Come on up on stage. I'll pour us a flask, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll just sit here and talk." Um, and by the way, you can also go to uh, ilca.net. Uh, if if you're interested in and you should, there's going to be a lot of great yeah. people, a lot of wonderful conversations. We talked last week to Marcus De La Fleur um, about uh, drainage around homes. Uh, he's going to be back on the show because he's got some fantastic ideas and he will do be doing a presentation. There's just mm-hmm. a ton of good stuff. Um, yeah, now, there's a direct link right off the ILCA. Yeah, website, right so. to you know if you look right at the, their calendar or their um, uh, educational events, yeah. uh, you can find it. But the easiest way is just go to mikenovak.net. Uh, now, Thomas, okay, let's. I, I want to get to a couple of other quick things, but I want to wrap up what we were talking about before the break, which is uh, the how do we convince folks that the way to garden isn't to put uh, a plant spaced evenly. Uh, at at a, a two foot radius with a lot of mulch there, um, they they we've had you know the problem is we kind of beat the mulch thing into their heads like like for a long time. Yeah. You, you talk in one of the stories. There's a wonderful article in Gardenista um, called "Unconventional Wisdom: Eight Revolutionary Ideas for Your Garden" from Thomas Rayner, and I've got the link to that on my blog. But uh, the other thing you talk about in that is double digging. Well. The thing is, nobody's told anybody to double dig for 20 years, basically, and yet right. that stuff is still out there. Once we, we, we tell people, it, it, it persists, and it, and it goes on forever, yeah. and the whole mulch culture is still out there. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, if you put mulch around a tree base, it's going to provide some wonderful uh, uh, benefits to trees, and that's what I tell people. I say, yeah, if you want to mulch, do it around your trees and shrubs, maybe, sure. um, because it's going to break down and it's going to provide nutrients, but... In a in a perennial bed, yeesh, it can be it can be total disaster. So you were talking about how we marry those concepts. Yeah, for us, we we care about neatness, and I think we understand that uh, we really want uh, this idea to spread. And so, in order for it to spread, we we're not asking people to bomb their lawns and replace them with meadows. Um, we we understand the suburban landscape culture. 
um, will likely persist. We just think there's room in that landscape, even without doing massive amounts of work, you know, keeping foundation plants, keeping um, a good, good bit of lawn. There's room, especially along the edges, probably where the lawn's not growing so well or under trees, underneath existing shrubs, where and there's just a, a layer missing in that landscape that we think um, we can do better than mulch. Um, <laughs> we can do better because it looks better. It certainly saves us a lot of time weeding once we have these stable plant combinations, and it's certainly great for these butterflies, pollinators. Um, so th- we, we think there's just a lot of good reasons to consider um, some of, some of these without without frankly having to sacrifice a whole lot. Okay, let's uh, we'll keep it simple. I mean, it's it's a matter of well, first of all, you've got to read what Thomas Rainier has written. That will help. Uh, pick up a book by Roy Diblick. Uh, pick up a, a book by Pete yeah. Pete Udolf. Uh, there's a lot of different people out there who uh, have come around to this theory, and I and 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 then you say it, and I've said it for years, which is, plants are their own mulch. If you put them close enough together, yeah. see, people are afraid that if you put plants to, too close together, all you get is pests and diseases. What's wrong with that thinking? Well, so if you put kind of tall structural plants that are evolved in the wild to kind of grow far apart, really close together. That is absolutely true. Um, you, you know, if you put, um, for example, something like an upright switchgrass, panicum, two feet on thinner, like a lot of people in my profession do, you know, that is a plant that in the wild grows several feet apart. It's kind of a solitary plant. And so that, you know, big massings of panicum, like you put 500, two feet on thinner, mm-hmm. will very often get rust or other fungal diseases. What we're actually suggesting is you keep those kind of larger upper layer stuff. Keep, you can keep some distance between some of those. But 12 to 15 inches kind of underneath those upright plants, we're using a lot of 8-inch tall to 15-inch tall lower plants mm-hmm. around the base of this plant. So we're getting dense ground cover at the same time you're getting air circulation. In some ways, it's kind of inverting the pyramid of traditional landscaping because we, we take these kind of big structural plants um, and, and kind of either space them in mulch or my profession tends to cram them really tight together still with mulch underneath them. And then they, they do get fungal diseases when they do that. We're, we're kind of taking this upper layer plant and spacing them the way they would grow in the wild, you know, at least three, four feet apart. And then, but, but having two or three layers of mid-height uh, or ground-hugging plants kind of underneath. And that way you kind of get the best of both worlds. You get the best of, you know, the plants that grow in the ground layer. These are plants that are evolved to high humidity, high shade pressure, um, summer drought, um, you know, they can handle some of these stresses that uh, a taller plant like a phlox or a monarda or, um, you know, an azalea wouldn't do so great placed yeah. two feet apart. Yeah, you, you, growing, you growing into one another. You, you mentioned somewhere in there about monarda being thuggish. Yeah. I have yet in my 25 to 30 years of gardening seen that, but I, okay, I'll take your word for it. I, I think Monarda, the reason Monarda is not thuggish is because it's so easy to remove. It's just kind of, and you pull. That's true. It's, you know, yeah, the, the root true. system Monarda's is so shallow. Plant, but, right. That's a great point. I, I think, you know, like a Monarda didima, the, um, is a little more, spreads a little bit more, but um, yeah. fistulosa, or there's a wonderful uh, eastern bee balm, Monarda bribarina, that's not at all thuggish. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can, there's wonderful examples of all of those. 
All right. Uh, yeah. By the way, uh, bef- I got a couple of things I want to get to. Before I do, uh, I want to remind folks that if they want to get a hold of Thomas Rayner's writings, uh, the best place to go is to phytostudio.com, P-H-Y-T-O, studio.com, phytostudio.com. Um, he's also the author with Claudia West uh, of a 2015 book called Planting in a Post-Wild World. I remember when that came out, and I did not get a copy. I, w- I had other things going on, and, and, it, and it kind of showed up on my radar. And then uh, now it makes me want to go back and get a copy of that book. Um, uh, are you going to be selling some of those uh, at the event on Tuesday? Yes. Yes, they will. They'll Great. There. Well, then I'll have to grab me a copy. Yeah, and you can... Your your blog's off of the um, phytostudio.com, and that's also off of uh, the thomasrainer.com, your blog? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're all, all connected there. Okay. If you go to the Phyto Studio website, you can find them all there. Okay. Right. I, I I mentioned Phyto Studio because Thomas himself said, yeah, yeah. that's that's the one I want people yeah. to go to. He's got to. a great <laughs> blog up there, too. So. Um, and uh, that article I mentioned earlier in Gardenista, and there's another one in the New York Times that you might want to take a look at. I actually found the Gardenista article more revealing mm-hmm. than the New York Times one uh, because of the uh, the way it was organized and some of the uh, the do's and don'ts that you have. And I just want to get into a couple, and we just have a few minutes left. Uh, one of the things I found really encouraging, and I have not seen this from any landscaper, from any horticulturist, uh, you say plant cover crops. And you're not talking about for vegetable gardens. You're talking about for perennial gardens, yeah. aren't you? Yes, we will often use a cover crop. And, and a lot of times it's just a temporary layer. But during establishment of um, a, a new planting, especially when there's a lot of invasive plant pressure around it, if we're doing a meadow or if we're doing even just an urban, uh, urban garden landscape, Mm-hmm. Um, very often we'll, we'll seed out um, anything from oats. And, and often these are annual that will die back. Um, you know, so we'll seed something there in the winter to cover the ground. What's really fascinating is the research about cover crops. When plants die, it stimulates the mycorrhizal network. It's, it's the dying roots, which also happens with just perennials. Every year the roots uh, die and then they regrow. So there's a lot of carbon that's left over. But that leftover carbon left in the soil jump starts more than any mycorrhizal amendment or anything else you can put on the soil, um, the kind of the microbial life of the soil. Um, and, and there's there's some really fascinating research coming about about the power of cover crops. But okay, for what's, soil amendment, I mean, I was just gonna it's say, really the, cheap and easy. Yeah, cheap and easy, and, and, it's, and it's living, and that's a great thing. So for our listeners, what cover crops do you like uh, in, in, say, a, a perennial bed? Some of the fun ones are there. There's a uh, what's called a fracking radish. Hmm. Um, if you have a part of your lawn that is incredibly compacted, um, there are these radishes that will have this huge taproot, swollen taproot. It's an annual. It won't last long. You have to sow it kind of late summer. Uh, but it will actually grow in and, and decompact. And then when it dies back, it leaves all of the, the pore space. Um, we use a lot of uh, just the, the annual oats. Um, uh, often in, in early planting um, as a temporary cover crop for the winter. It'll kind of grow during cool season and die back during the, the, the hard winters. Um, and very easy to kind of mow them over and then plant right into it after that. I love the idea of the radish in, 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 in your lawn and, and to help uh, the aeration. That's That sounds like a terrific idea. 
you know, it looks a little fun. It definitely looks a little weedy for a season. You know, they don't last very long, so they, they have a big, you know, leafy piece. So you just right. have to kind of realize that. But um, for, for an urban park or something that's trying to renovate a lawn, um, those radishes are amazing. You know, you can just leave the lawn and then feed over it after you're done with more lawn. All right. I, one more thing before we go, because we're almost out of time. And the one, one of the things that it was in the article is you say, don't amend your soil. Uh, uh, you've got like 30 seconds to tell us about that. I think we just want to uh, draw people's attention to how plant roots amend soil. And so we think the better thing to do would be to maybe do a, a light compost amendment if you're first going to you know, spread a little bit of compost. But as perennial roots, uh, if you have a thick carpet of perennials living and dying, they amend the soil and break it up and pull microbial life. And it's all of that action that brings the real life to the soil, as opposed to kind of heavy chemicals like sulfur or lime. All right, we're we're we're, we're just out of time. Thomas Rayner at uh, Impact this Tuesday. See you then. This is Mike Novak. For the past couple of years, I've posted the progress of my tomato growing on social media. And each of those years, somebody said, "What kind of sun do you have? My tomatoes are barely started." Folks, it's not the sun. I get my tomatoes started with Happy Leaf LED grow lights. Five-year warranty, USA made. Go to happyleaf.com and save 10% on purchases above $100 when you use the code MIKE. Happy Leaf LED grow lights. Jumpstart your tomatoes with better light. I'm meteorologist Rick DeMaio. Bringing a lot of social science into climate change is really important. People who teach climate change now, you have to really get into how it's affecting people, how it's affecting the ability for people to cope, how it's affecting the ability of people to adapt or to mitigate. Stick around for some more insight into weather and climate and how it might be affecting you, your lives, and your garden. On WCGO 1590, Chicago's Smart Talk. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, Mike at MikeNovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at MikeNovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at MikeNovak.net. This is Tree Keeper number 417 reminding you that fall is the perfect time to reflect on the beauty of trees and your memory about a favorite tree could win you tickets to Illumination Tree Lights at the Morton Arboretum or you could get a spot in an Open Lands Tree Keeper course. Just tell a story about a tree that has special meaning to you. Submit your tree story online through the end of October to Tremendous Trees, a project of the Morton Arboretum and Open Lands. Go to tree-stories.org. Catch Playtime with Bill Turk and Carrie Kendall every Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on 1590 WCGO. Welcome back to the Mike Novak <laughs> Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, and uh, great stuff from uh, Thomas Rayner. Uh, one of the those of you listening on Facebook got a little extra there. Uh, and one of the things that we were talking about just then uh, it, it was a leading out of that conversation about putting plants into your soil to amend the soil rather than uh, all these uh, amendments. Um, and to you know, I 
amendments are good, believe me, especially if you've got really, really mm-hmm. poor soil. I think where we go astray is then we're told to put all this fertilizer in all the time. It's like always for, you know, and, and what happens with that is it leads to this syndrome. Uh, where people who call into the show, by the way, you can always call in at 877-711-5611 to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. People who call in or when I go to a garden club, they'll say, they'll ask me a question. They'll say, oh, my tree is sick. Um, should I fertilize? It's always the first question. Yeah. Should I fertilize? <laughs> and uh, and my response is uh, always, uh, well, first of all, you should uh, diagnose what you have because you don't know what to do until you have a diagnosis. And usually the best answer is, is it hydrated? Is it overhydrated? Is there, you know, we talked about mulch before. Is it, are you, is there a little mulch around it? Is there mulch running up the tree? Is you know, is there an issue with volcano mulch or something like that? And, and what do you mean by sick? We were talking about the tar spot on the maples a couple weeks ago. Which we discovered is basically a cosmetic mm-hmm. problem, and yet there's been a lot of tar spot this summer, and people freak out. They go, oh, my God, my tree is collapsing. No, it's not. Should I fertilize it? Should I fertilize <laughs> No! Don't, stop don't. that. Stop that. Yes. Stop fertilizing. Stop. Well, but, you know, and that's part of the problem. And, and Thomas will disagree with me because he's uh, more measured. In the way I'm the I'm the loose cannon in the room and I'm sleep deprived. Okay, so that's part of the problem. Over caffeinated. I'm over caffeinated and sleep deprived. So Ellie's heading for the door. I start saying things that get me in trouble. And one of the things I think is over the years, we've been brainwashed by a lot of things in our uh, in the industry, in the horticultural industry. One of them is fertilizer. Uh, everybody wants the blue stuff. They think the blue stuff is what they need for everything. Okay, And you know what I'm talking about when I say the blue stuff. Um, and we're, we get to the point where nothing happens unless you get blue stuff. Well, Thomas Rayner was just telling us lots of things mm-hmm. happen. Plants can fertilize the ground as they decay, as they send down their roots. They amend the soil. You can put cover crops on there. Farmers, organic farmers, have known about cover crops for years and years and years. And now Thomas is saying, do it in your perennial beds as well. Why not? And I'm thinking, that's brilliant. And I love the idea of having a lawn full of radishes uh, that are going to break down. And he's got the... um, the particular radish. we got to find yeah, that again. Yeah, po- I posted it to Facebook. It's did the you? fracking forage radish, uh, raffinus sativus. It's, yeah. Raffinus sativus, I think. Sativus. It's, it's, yeah. Or as Joey just posted on Facebook, plant crack. <laughs> Joey Baird? Yes. Plant crack? Oh, my. <laughs> Love it, Joey. I, it's a little harsh. See, I thought I was being crazy, but Joey, there's Joey out there. Good. And if the, yeah, but Joey uses remember when we were up there he's got yeah, we're talking about joey baird the baird, wisconsin, wisconsin vegetable who was on last week wisconsin vegetable garden even the creeping charlie keeping that as a low level <laughs> going through some of the vegetable beds oh yeah he you know that's i think that's really interesting okay joey is the perfect example he's got weeds in his vegetable garden now yeah to some degree they will uh but they're c- controlled weeds they consume nutrients but he also doesn't freak out about them mm-hmm. he lets them grow there and he says, "Yeah, they're there. Uh, look at my look at my vegetables. They're still doing great." That's that low level um, la- layer. Yeah, and and to some degree, those that low level 
of vegetation, if it's weeds, is a mulch. Mm-hmm. This is what we we're talking about before. And when and when everybody goes, I've yeah, I've seen this because I've actually done this. So I'm I, I will cop to it, uh, putting down mulch, where you put it down long enough and it dries out, and it's like a a, a four inch, three four inch layer that's like uh, plywood. I mean, it's just yeah. a, a just a, you could you dig it and it comes out in these huge chunks. Well, that's not helping anything. There's no water getting through that. That's not that's not gardening. That's that's paving. That's pa- yeah, it is. I was going to say it's home improvement or something. It's a Ron Cowgill <laughs> thing. So um, that's uh, or you could do like Ron Cowgill does at the end of each season, which he just mows, mows everything. It, up. Mow it down. And in a way, that's exactly right. I mean, and his, leave the roots in the ground. He's, <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't advise this. I wouldn't put it in a book. Uh, except to say an example of how some people do it. But in a sense, what Ron's doing is right. He's taking the vegetation. He's returning it mm-hmm. to the earth. He's he's allowing it to break down. He's allowing the microbes to get in there. He's allowing the, the nutrients in the plants that were there to go back into the ground, which is why they come back, and which is why he's overrun with strawberries, the Marshall yeah. strawberries that we gave him in like three little pots <laughs> um, four or five years ago, and now he can't. <laughs> get rid of them uh but in a sense that that's really the case so i was going to say there's two things that we've been brainwashed on one is pesticides and that everybody needs to have uh, a bug killer or a plant killer for their yard i would say 95 to 99 percent of you don't ever need to use that i'm sorry that's then that sounds like i'm being over the top but i don't think i am because i've had other horticulturists agree with me they kind of nod and they say i wouldn't say it in public but Mm -hmm. you know what i'm the radio guy so i say it in public uh most of the time you don't need that stuff all right yeah every now and then you know you might need roundup to kill some poison ivy that's one in particular that i can think of um, and there are other pernicious plants that will take over your yard. And yeah, and the idea is use it once and then never use yeah. it again if you're smart. You were going to say something. Sorry. Going to to some of what we've been brainwashed and also um, what you led into this segment with, it's also maybe the first year or two you're putting more amendments in. You're doing more things to establish it, but then people don't stop. They don't change the pattern. They don't change the behavior. So as the garden has matured and, and, and the bed has filled in. They're well, still doing what they were doing. And I'll, the first I'll give you year. a perfect example of that. Is um, again something Thomas was talking about is like using plants as your mulch mm-hmm. uh, to suppress weeds. Um, if you yeah, if you put uh, a plant uh, on square, uh, is that what they call it? Uh, every you know <laughs> two feet, you're going to have all this open space, and you know what's going to happen? Weed seeds are going to yeah. come in, and they're going to they're going to establish. So you might be mulching it so the first couple mul- years. Yeah. yeah, but the what, as you're saying, what folks do is they go, "Oh, that works." So I'll just continue to mulch it year after year. Mm-hmm. No, what you do then is bring in more plants, and you fill in those gaps not with mulch, you fill them in with plants until you've got all plants, and not again. As Thomas said, don't put the panicum all together in a clump because that's not the way it grows right. in nature. So what this requires is you got to do a little homework. You got to do a little research. You've got to either talk to a uh, well, first of all, go online, go to mm-hmm. a good uh, educational site like Illinois Extension or the Extension in in you know your neck of the woods, whatever. Check the Plant Finder. There's some great it's ones nice. out yeah. there. Um, uh, Michigan State has a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the one uh, uh, out east? Oh, I'm not going to remember. 
Uh, but a lot of extension services uh, are really, really good. And you do some research, and then you find that out. And, and, then, um, and then you read books like his, mm-hmm. about how, and Roy Diblick, as I mentioned yeah. before. Yeah. And, and that's how you do it. Uh, and one of the articles, and I can't recall which one, was also pointing out even for shade. So in sun, you might be using sedges and other low covers, but in shade, um, the wild gingers and the trilliums and several other things that people— And sedges. Sedges, sedges. The thing about sedges is you can yeah, put them almost anywhere. But replacing the pachysandras and the other yeah. low-light plants I am not this. a fan of pachysandra. Uh, I like hosta in moderation yeah. uh, and plants like that. Yeah, go go native if you possibly can. Okay, when we come back, oh boy, we've got gardeners. We've got a room full of gardeners. A room full of gardeners. We're very excited about the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards. We'll be back. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe, author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green, gardening, and environment radio with just a soup song of humor. Or is that a dash? Call us with your questions and comments at 877-711-5611. Here they are again, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. All I need is good food to eat and make me healthy, wealthy, wide awake. Lettuce, tomatoes, root and bacon. What about those sweet potatoes? All I need is good food to eat. All I need is good food to eat. And welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We've got uh, Randall on the job there. We're we're fixing one of the cameras every now and then. They just go. Facebook and, just takes a nap. Uh, well, no, it's not. <laughs> the it, camera does. It's, right, it's the camera. Yeah. Uh, it does freeze from time to time. So we want to get shots of everybody in the studio because we have a studio full of people. Uh, as we mentioned earlier in the show, yesterday was the big award ceremony for Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards, and we have some of those people right here in the studio and. Uh, <laughs> I'm watching. I'm, I'm sort of distracted by Randall <laughs> playing with the, all the. And we're, Don't look at the screen. Yeah. Um, Randall, I'm going to ask you to turn on some mics here uh, for a second. Are they up? Okay, great. Good. Then we then I'll let him play with that, and I will talk to the folks here in the studio. Um, we have uh, Ed Kaplan uh, with spelled uh, with a C, not a K. <laughs> 
That's an inside joke, folks. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he's the executive director at Keeler Gardens NFP. With him is Gina Iliopoulos. 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 But spelled correctly. Uh, but spelled correctly. Uh, but, but spelled correctly, <laughs> but not pronounced correctly. <laughs> uh, Gina Iliopoulos and uh, the, the chief horticultural specialist at Keeler Gardens NFP. They're on one side of the studio. On the other side of the studio, uh, we have Nancy Judah and Lorraine Kells from the Lakeview Community Garden at Diversity. Welcome to everybody. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. You know, on short notice, we yeah. we gave them awards yesterday, and then we said, hey, you got to come uh, up to Evanston and, and be on the show. And they said yes, surprisingly. <laughs> there were a lot of people there who said, nah, I can't do that. Uh, 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 but, but actually. But wait, there's more. Yes, you can You can affect your, uh, or, or, or affect. Yeah, well, actually, that, that's a adjust. Adjust your levels, <laughs> your your headset levels there on the little box. We'll show you where that is if if your ears are getting blown out at the at the moment. Um, on the phone, we also have a couple of winners, uh, and one of them is Regina Hawkins from uh, she. Well, she's a horticulture teacher and special education teacher at Southside Occupational Academy, uh, Chicago Public School on the South Side. Regina, good morning. Good morning. It's good morning. So good Thank to you talk for to having you. me. It's great. Good to have you back. Regina was on the show uh, uh, about two years ago, almost exactly mm-hmm. two years ago, uh, when we talked about yeah, the Southside. So. O- yeah, we talked about Southside Occupational Academy, and of course, they won an award yesterday. And then the other person on the phone um, is Marnie Ware from Prosser Community Garden at Prosser Career Academy, a Chicago public school on Chicago's northwest side. So we got a lot of different areas represented uh, right here uh, this morning. Good morning, Marnie. Good morning, everyone. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, a pleasure. Now, we have a question. Peggy, you can ask about Marnie. One thing we weren't exactly sure of was... So so you're a co-founder of Chicago Farm Lab. Are you the founder of the Prosser Community Garden uh, it's your brainchild. How do you? S- it is. I guess I can take credit for it being my brainchild, but I'm going to say very quickly that it might have been my idea. But as Regina will tell you, um, you need a whole lot of people who care in order for it to thrive. So it takes a village to yeah, create a garden. Have to have a great team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Regina. Yeah. You know, and everybody does here in the studio. We know what that's like. You have to have uh, a lot of folks behind it. Uh, although. As you also know, when you do a community garden, uh, often, and, and not everybody here, uh, you know, like three out of four, do you consider the um, Keeler Gardens a community garden or not? Uh, not from the perspective of... Uh, She's fine. Not from the perspective that we have shared spaces, but we are open public to the community at all times. Okay. I, yes. If I may point out that yes. the CCGA considers a community garden if it is accessible to the public and is maintained and uh, it is planted and maintained by volunteers. So in that sense, they qualify as a community garden. So everybody here this morning uh, is basically um, in, involved in the community garden. And one of the things that I've discovered over the years, though, is that you're going to have those key people. There's always going to be two or three people, maybe a half a dozen. It depends on the, the garden and who the people are who are running the show. And then everybody else is, uh, we'll show up uh, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. You got the key people, yeah. the next 10 percent, and then everybody else. <laughs> Marnie, you understand what that's like, don't you? I think you hit it right on the head. Uh, but but that's just the, the nature of the beast. It's just the way that. It is because we live in a world where 
you got to really be passionate and there's a lot going on and people have a lot of different priorities. So I, I totally understand it. And Mike, may I give a shout out to her because um, CCGA works with school gardens and we know the layers of buy-in that have to take place for a successful garden uh, is, is um, enormous. So if she's doing it, she's awesome. <laughs> That's oh, what, thank I, you so much. Well, you, what can I say? She's an award winner, okay? <laughs> as, as are you all. Uh, and uh, when we get to it, uh, we'll, we'll hold up one of those signs that uh, everybody was given yesterday at the ceremony. Uh, we're going to break here in a second, but when we come back, there are some things I, I don't want to just talk about um, your, your personal experiences in the garden, though I do. Uh, I want you to teach people something about gardening today, all, all four groups, uh, some of your techniques, your tricks, things you've learned sure. in putting a garden together, whether it's about community, whether it's about the soil, whether it's about plant selection, whether it's about harvesting, whatever. Let's make this a learning opportunity for everybody listening. So get your pen and papers ready, folks. It's the Mike Novak mm-hmm. Show with Peggy Malecki, and we'll be back with the Garden Award winners after this. Those amazing green folks at McHenry County College are at it again. The 11th Annual Green Living Expo returns on Saturday, November 3rd, and it's better than ever. New this year is the Clean Transportation Exhibit featuring electric cars and bikes. The college solar and super mileage team race cars are back, and this year they're bringing a hybrid engine truck. There's a 2,500-gallon fish tank where you can see many species of Fox River fish. Visit with area farms, CSAs, and other organizations to learn more about local agriculture. There are 100 green exhibits, local food purveyors, sustainable artists, and vendors of all kinds, even on-site battery recycling. The Green Living Expo is free and open to the public. Peggy and I will be there. Come and join us. McHenry County College, Saturday, November 3rd from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Go to mchenry.edu slash green expo. From boat to doorstep. You can have the best in premium and sustainable Alaskan seafood right here in the Midwest. Sitka Salmon Shares is an Alaskan community-supported fishery, or CSF, comprised of small boat family fishermen from southeast Alaska. They're supported by 4,000 CSF members, and you can be one, too. Sign up at SitkaSalmonShares.com to receive fresh Alaska salmon, whitefish, and more in shares ranging from three to nine months. Use promo code MikeNovak18 for $25 off. Go to SitkaSalmonShares.com. If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at restorethenorthshore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. You're listening to Weekends on WCGO. Check out our Facebook live stream brought to you in part by our exclusive signage partner, Fast Signs of Lincolnwood. Located at 3450 West Devon Avenue, visit them on the web at fastsigns.com slash 80. Charlie is a friend of mine, used to live downtown in a little rented place up behind the movie house. 
Charlie had a rooftop garden planted out of view. And what was Charlie's garden hiding should be clear to you. There we go. I'm going up, up in Charlie's garden. Yeah, and this is a song that, uh, oh, I think he's growing marahoochee up there. Ooh, that's so... All right, show of hands. Now, you can't... Uh, <laughs> Ed can't put his hand up. because <laughs> we've, we've got uh, Skype cam here uh, that Peggy is holding at the moment, so we get to so see... So Ed a... can put his hands up. <laughs> yeah, no. So now again. So how many uh, in the room uh, have uh, grown marahoochee uh, on purpose or by accident? <laughs> Oops. I don't, I, even think we've done it. <laughs> I don't even think we've done it by accident. Uh, okay. No. Uh, what about you, folks? I don't see any hands on the phone there, but I, I, I'm not going <laughs> to... I'm not going to bust. See some hands of listeners. But. I'm not going to bust you, but uh, I will tell you, under the right conditions, it does very well in this area. Uh, welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Belay. See, and we still giggle about it, and and it's legal now in a bunch of states, and it's soon going to be legal in all 50 states. And yep, there we go. We giggle about it, and we don't giggle about about. Alcohol, growing grapes, yeah, or growing grapes, yeah. right? Exactly, right. and we know where all the grapes grow and go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so grape uh, jelly, uh, exactly. Jam. Uh, <laughs> and in the studio, we have Nancy Judah, Lorraine Kells from Lakeview Community Garden at Diversity. We have Ed Kaplan, Gina Eliopoulos, uh, in uh, from the uh, Keeler Gardens. What does NFP stand for? Non for profit. Oh, no. we, we wanted yeah. to designate that we weren't a uh, so for-profit business. Okay, yeah. all right, all yeah. right, and and that's very good point. Uh, back when I ran a, a theater company, um, and everybody talked about nonprofits, mm-hmm. my, our lawyer would say, "No, it's a not-for-profit. You're allowed to make money in a not-for-profit. So if you call it a nonprofit, it means that you're always going to be operating in the red." It's a not-for-profit. And I have remembered that. That was like four, <laughs> almost 40 years ago. And I yeah. thought, yeah. So whenever I refer to a nonprofit, I say not-for-profit. It's a not-for-profit. Thank right. you for that. That's very helpful. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, use that next mm-hmm. time because you, if you're, even if you're a not-for-profit, if you're making money, if you're in the black, that's a good thing. That's just you're running not a charity. A, yes. Right. That's running right. a business properly. Yes. That's how it works. That's our goal, to be in the black and be able to offer our services at no cost. Uh, and then uh, also, and on the phone, we have uh, Marnie Ware, and you just heard Regina Hawkins. Regina is from Southside Occupational Academy. Marnie is from uh, the uh, Prosser Community Garden at Prosser Career Academy, and they are all winners in Chicago Excellence and Gardening Awards. Is your, is your arm getting tired there, Peggy? You switch back. <laughs> Randall's, Randall's putting the tripod together right Oh, look now. at that. And Randall's so, amazing. And now we're, if you're watching on Facebook, we have the folks that uh, – uh, oops – we're still there. All right. Uh, so the guy in the blue shirt, that's Ed. <laughs> Gina Iliopoulos is next to him. And then the folks on the other side are Nancy and Lorraine. Good Mike. morning. and uh, Mike, excuse me. Can I just mention not-for-profit? They have gone through the legal hoops with the state and the federal government yes. to right. get that designation. Whereas CCGA, which is Chicago Community Gardening Association, is truly... Nonprofit because we well, I can... we take in uh, fees at our distributions, but all of that money, absolutely every penny, goes back into the gardens. Well, I can tell you for a fact that Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards is definitely nonprofit. <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact. <laughs> 
As a matter of fact, some of us are in hock right now. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and that's got to change. So anybody who wants to sponsor a citywide gardening award, and let's talk about the genesis of that. Uh, Peggy yeah. and I uh, started this last year. With, uh, with a lot of other folks. With a lot of help. And let me um, list our sponsors. Of course, the Mike Novak Show and Natural Awakening Chicago. Uh, we just heard from uh, Lorraine that uh, Chicago Community Gardeners Association is involved as well. We also have Shed Aquarium, Illinois Extension in Cook County, Chicago Flower and Garden Show, Chicago Park District, Forest Preserve District of Cook County, Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, Advocates for Urban Agriculture, and Greenmark Public Relations. There's 11 groups, all of which have helped out this year to put these awards together. Some of them were with us last year. We added a few more, and this is how it got done. And And I'm, actually, I'm serious now uh, putting a pitch out here because this organization, despite the fact that I'm near the top of the uh, <laughs> of uh, of the flow chart uh in it um deserves to be funded and um and it it looks like we will become a not for profit a, a, a 501c3 um and we would love a company to step up because what we've done in 2 years is give out more than 100 gardening awards more like 120 um to gardens uh representing more than uh 33 wards in the city of Chicago, um, 60 neighborhoods, uh, and they're everything from personal gardens to community gardens to school gardens to firehouses to rooftop gardens to container gardens. Um, And this is a reward for the people who keep our city beautiful. What happened in 2011, we don't know why. But the uh, Emanuel administration suddenly said, nope, we're, we're not going to do garden awards after 50 years. Chicago had been doing this for, fi- for 50 years. Uh, what, uh, that's that. Uh, is that you, Regina? <laughs> oh, that was me saying, mm-hmm, oh, um, Marnie. Oh, Marnie. Okay, Marnie. Yeah. So you, you know <laughs> no, about I was this. Just, I was just being like, uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I was agreeing with you. <laughs> uh, no, you, no and, I, and you're welcome to, to, to jump in uh, with a comment on that if you want. And so Peggy and I looked at that and said, well, that's not right. That's just not right. Uh, so we're going to start awards up again, citywide awards, and we did. And last year we gave out. Can I just? Can, yeah, go ahead. Can I just speak really quickly because yes. you made me want to say this. Um, so yeah, I experienced the same thing um, when Maggie Daly was around. Um, things were much greener, and then it just fell out of the bottom. And so I want to just say before things get. Um, more complicated on the show that you what you're doing with your awards is you're exposing a microcosm of two opposing forces that are happening in our society and you know we we have received an award for transforming the neighborhood yesterday and on Monday my partner Jim Lachone has to go to the city to face a citation for putting lovely fruit trees in his parkway oh, so <laughs> all right you better explain what you're what, doing what, what, what? is you're 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 helping us you know, we're one side. <laughs> That's all I want to say. Yeah, well, okay, and you actually bring up a really good point, Marnie, which is there are laws in the city of Chicago, and we've talked about them on this show, uh, where you can get fined six to $900 for planting native plants in a parkway or fruit trees in a parkway. Um, mm-hmm. That's crazy. Why fruit trees? I, I assume it's because they create a mess. Well, you need right? a, you actually need a permit 
to remove or replace a tree in a parkway. Right. Well, yes, but it, but but you can, and they won't allow permits for fruit trees. I imagine they have a list of Chicago oh. approved. And these are the trees that Chicago will okay. provide you. Yeah. But if you want to plant a tree, you have to get a permit. And I'm assuming that that permit process asks what tree you're putting in, and if you don't have the right kind of tree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, not to. I'm not going to take up any more time with this, except to say that. Um, I think it's going to be okay. Our alderman is in support of what Jim and his husband have done. This tree is like 10 years old. Mm -hmm. But the point is that these laws are outdated. I understand from an ecological and scientific standpoint that we can't just plant whatever we want. We need to know what we're doing. But, you know, what we're facing in the city is that the laws are from 1980. And if we want to change anything about the future, we have to update those laws. Well, yeah, uh, we've been talking about that. Uh, I've been talking about it for uh, uh, half a dozen years on this show, especially when I found out that people were being fined. Uh, there was a there was a, a a woman, Kathy Cummings, who planted a garden that, when Mayor Daly was doing the awards, received a an award for native plants. Then, uh, yeah. about eight years later, she got fined by the Emanuel administration for growing weeds. All right. Uh, which, yep. with the, we talked about that in the audience yeah. at your award show. Yesterday. Yeah, with the same plants. Okay, this is what we're dealing with. Now, uh, I know the difference between overgrown lawn and native plants, uh, but for, unfortunately, apparently, the city the workers, inspectors the don't. inspectors do not. That, uh, that, that, exactly. That's very revealing. Education. And, and, and one thing I will, I will push back on, Marnie, when you said we have to know what we're doing when we're, we grow stuff in our, in, our, in our parkways. Well, what do we usually do in our parkways? We put lawn, which is not native plant. We add chemicals, so we're actually harming the environment, but that's legal. That's perfectly legal. And yet, if we put a fruit tree that's going to f- feed people, that's illegal. Now, tell me the sense that that makes. It doesn't make any sense, and I agree with you 100%. I was just trying to be. <laughs> I know you are, and no. you're trying to be reasonable, but the problem is we have to be. It's we, not reasonable. We can't yeah. back down from that and say the re- reasonability is not the standard way of doing things. That's unreasonable. That's illogical. Mm-hmm. That That is anti-nature, uh, what we do now. Yes, now we have we have to take into account that we have artificial uh, systems mm-hmm. here, a parkway is a very hostile environment, as we all know, if we've ever tried to grow anything there. Uh, so we have to come to some sort of compromise, but it has to include science in there. And the science tells me that if you're putting lawn and chemicals down, you're not helping. You're not helping at all. Exactly. So, so that's my that's going argument. Right. What you're doing here with this award program is you're encouraging not only beautification, but a connection with nature. And that's what Keeler Gardens is about. And that connection to nature is what builds communities. And what's your term for that? Well, we use we just say connection with nature. In the past, we have used the term biophilia or mm-hmm. the biophilia hypothesis. But that goes over people's heads a little <laughs> bit. So. Biophilia is this idea that we all need to be connected to living things, each other, nature, the world. And that actually makes us healthier, stronger people, mentally, physically, emotionally. Mm-hmm. Socially. Socially, yeah. everything. And hence, you you build strong soil, you build strong green spaces, and you build community. That's what we are trying to educate on. And through that message, you can focus on pollinators, you can focus on resource conservation, you can focus on so many different aspects. And we 
promote all of that through different methods. But what your program with these awards is doing is telling the community that nature is important, not and, just and, for and, beauty, but for absolutely. all those reasons. Amen. And, and I'd like to add that yesterday was also an opportunity to experience that community is important. Yes. 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 And the change so that the, all these gardens are making. Yeah. So the people in the room yesterday are all involved in some way or a different way in greening Chicago. Yeah. Right. And it was an extraordinary community yesterday. Yeah. There were homeowners who have great back gardens. There were people working with um, special populations, like the people on the phone with us today. There were people like us who have community gardens. So in our community garden, Lorraine is the uh, masterful gardener of us all (laughs) and keeps us all focused on gardening. And I'm the community builder. Ah, That's wonderful. Yeah, so, you, you, you d- divide up the duties and, there. Yeah, and and, and it's yeah. just, uh, you know, it happens organically, so to speak. That's what I tend to, and that's what she <laughs> tends to. Yeah. Uh, I want to pull Regina in too. Yeah, that's what. That's, yeah, I was going to go to Regina because that's a lot of what you're doing on the south side. Yeah, and I I really think that gardening, your awards, uh, events like this, they definitely. Um, they sort of bring awareness to some of those forgotten neighborhoods and forgotten people. Um, and and working on the South Side in Inglewood with students only with disabilities, it's really nice that we can connect with so many different people around the entire city and have such um, a good reception from them, from the work that we do. So I really think that gardening, community gardening in general, and bringing more awareness to it and recognition to it is very important. And I would add that we did it on purpose that in this set of gardening awards, when we started the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards, we were very specifically focused on uh, sustainability. What are you doing to make your patch of earth a little better than when you found it? So maybe you get rid of that lawn that is not really contributing to uh, your ecosystem. Uh, Maybe you don't use chemicals. Maybe you put in uh, food Food, you know, to me, is a, is a part of sustainability. Could you imagine if every parkway was a farm? Like, you know, the They'd sunny... They'd all get oh tickets. Uh, I know. <laughs> but, you know, like just our block alone, we have, mm-hmm. you know, it's like 75% just grass. And there's a yeah. couple of nice parkways. All that sunny grass, all that space could be growing food all summer long and into the fall for our community. Yeah. It, it, it would just be amazing. It could be growing food yeah. for yeah. pollinators. And if I could, could exactly. I and, and talk too. to Regina for a second. Uh, I'm sorry, am I interrupting? No, 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 no. Go ahead, Marty. Well, it, it's who was just speaking about the parkways? Who was that? That's me, Gina from Keeler Gardens. Gina. Yes. Yeah, Gina and Regina. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that one of the things I've thought is that if every school, especially if you're an occupational school or a vocational school, would devote a good chunk of their campus to a garden. This happens in different colleges where there's a college in Detroit, I don't remember exactly where, um, where they became an agricultural college and they repurposed their athletic fields, not all of them, but a good portion of them to farming in urban agriculture. I mean, you know, the time is now. We need to make radical steps toward transforming these large areas of full sun, you know, with water accessibility into something other than just vast 
parks of grass and a few trees. Yeah. Um, we need to catch up. You know, yeah. in, in the next hundred years, um, Chicago is going to be one of the few livable places. That's and I'm accurate. not being you know <laughs> Everybody, alarmist. Everybody's going to move UN, here. Yeah, yeah. Mar- be a lot Marnie, of I, need, I need to interrupt. Right. We're, we're about to break. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. When we come back, we're going to teach people a few things. Okay. It's the Chicago <laughs> Excellence in Gardening Award winners. Have you considered how your body may impact the environment and those left behind after you die? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. According to the Green Burial Council, conventional burials result in the annual use of 77,000 trees and nearly 5 million gallons of embalming fluid containing cancer-causing chemicals. And one cremation uses as much energy as a 500-mile car trip and releases 250 pounds of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. There are many alternatives available now in the U.S. You can become a tree or even be part of rebuilding a coral reef. A green burial could be your last act of love for the earth. Do your homework for your family and talk about it now. I'm Green Diva Meg. Listen to over 500 Green Divas podcasts and learn lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green at thegreendivas.com. Whether it's March, July, September, or December, if you're a gardener, any time of year is perfect for a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine. It's the garden magazine for our region and one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, What to Do in the Garden, and even my column on the inside back page of every issue. I make up stuff and they pay me for it. Go figure. Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere. But go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. I'm feeling perverse today. I I sense a theme here. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? My uh, my life in the seventies is coming back to haunt me. Okay, welcome. Reminiscent. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Mlecky. Now, I'm not accusing all you because nobody raised their hand when I talked about growing marahuchi. So. Um, I, but I had to play that anyway. I just, I just saw it there. It was sitting right in front of me. It was staring at you. It was a no-brainer. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, welcome back, and we're talking to award winners from the Chicago Excellence in Gardening Awards ceremony it was held yesterday at Garfield Park Conservatory. Um, I'm going to do an extra shout out to a couple of organizations: Illinois Extension Boy, Val Kehoe, and Latasha uh, La- Latasha Reggins, and uh, Veronica Aranda, and. Ron Wolford, Ron Wolford, Alisa Nash, um, and they uh, uh, helped us get this all uh, going. And, and the volunteer master gardeners that the, uh, the master gardeners yesterday. always step up. They some of them were judges. Um, some of them helped helped set up the auditorium yesterday. Um, the Forest Preserve District of Cook County did the beautiful. All right, now's the time we we show the sign. Let's see where can you could just hold it up right behind you. You could put it right up to. Um, 
No, no, no. Put it right to that camera. Oh, no, that, that camera's not working. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> hey, <hold on. laughs> you, give me, you give me that. Here, you can hold it right up to that yeah. camera, Ed. Hold it right, right there. Ed, hold there. it up over there. Let's see what we get here. It's going to be ugly. <laughs> there you go. All right, there we go. And Ed had a great idea that you could, like, add little years. So, like, if you w- want it this year, then you could put 2019 underneath Ooh. it and 2020 underneath that. We will okay. suggest that to the Forest Preserve. It, yeah. It might be easier than printing up that whole big sign. Exactly. Uh, yeah. and, uh, oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. And, of course, uh, we've mm-hmm. mentioned CCGA, and uh, they're represented in the room. Uh, so... Uh, where we're going to go now is I promised our listeners that they would get some education. Uh, and I know that you guys have been writing notes here on this side. <laughs> wow. Uh, you're trying to get that out. And Ed's been writing notes on Parkway Gardens. Uh, Marnie and uh, Regina, are, are you guys ready to give some education here? Sure. Uh, I think so. <laughs> don't, do, don't get too enthusiastic, Regina. They do Regina. education during the week. Okay, it's been so, two so, early mornings this weekend for a teacher, so I'm a little, you know, well, yeah, got a little cloudy head going on. Yeah, we get it. We get it. Uh, in fact, <laughs> Regina, I am going to point, I'm pointing at you. You are the one pointing at you. Uh, you are the one we're going to start with here. What, uh, what kind of uh, information can you give to folks uh, who are trying to put a garden together? What popped into your head when I, when I uh, suggested that uh, you teach us something? Um, I think the most important thing for me is uh, to, to try and make it fun. Um, gardening is a lot of work. It's a lot, a lot of work. Um, and so I think people forget to, to make it fun for people who are new, um, do engaging activities, invite them in. Um, Get specific. Just, Get specific. Just, uh, like with my students. I know, like, you know, you want to introduce them to seeds and how seeds work. It's kind of boring. So because the school year starts in the fall, we always start our unit off by carving pumpkins, you know. Um, and then from there, you can move on. But just something. And that's in terms of my students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll tell you. Um, I, okay, I got But f- I'm not sure about adults. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you can get adults as well. And here's, I'll give you something fun to do in a garden, uh, especially later in the mm-hmm. season is dig for potatoes. To me, that is one of the most satisfying mm-hmm. things to do, especially if somebody's never done it before. It's like buried treasure. And, and you Yeah. Whoop. Did we oh. lose somebody? What's that? Are we, we lost somebody. Marnie, are you there? I don't know what that is. I'm here. Regina? We lost uh, Regina. We lost Regina. Uh we'll get her back. Oh. Okay, but yeah. Gina, so, you were gonna say So you were talking about yeah. digging for potatoes. So I'm sure a lot of people have heard of sweet potato vine, the, the mm-hmm. decorative one. Yeah. That yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do the same with those. Um, I don't know if people realize this or not, but after a whole summer in a pot, you get potatoes. They're not edible, but you can literally scoop those out, uh-huh. cut off the plant, leave them to dry, and just leave them like in your garage or in your basement, and then you can put them back next year. And it's the same thing. You started with just roots, and then you end up with a potato. It's yeah. pretty fun. By yeah. the way... The vines of ornamental sweet potatoes, the stems mm-hmm. are edible. You peel them, and they are edible. Clipped them all yesterday and threw them away. <laughs> so now we know over next Hello. day. Now there's some happy chipmunks. Yes. 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 Here's, here's another thing that I found about the sweet potato 
the uh, the ornamental mm-hmm. sweet potato vine, and that is a restaurant we go to, La Encantada on uh, North Avenue, probably the best Mexican food that I know of in our area. Just a wonderful place. Everybody write it down, La <laughs> Encantada on North. Um, she had those vines growing outside, and she clipped them, brought them in, and used them as decoration on her tables. And, sure. and because they're so bright and cheery, you don't spend a lot of money on flowers. This right. is just something. And you they're per- the color is permanent. Yeah. 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 You just so, pop yeah. it into a glass of water mm-hmm. and boom, done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. All right. Uh, I don't know if we – did we get Regina mm-hmm. back? Yes, yes, I'm back. Okay. Uh, so now we've got it. Make it fun. So it means the rest of you, that's off the table. You can't use that as your, <laughs> as your tip. I don't want to hear that anymore. All right. Let's go to you, Marnie. Okay. Well, I'm going to keep with the sweet potato theme. I'm so excited you brought it up. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So Regina was talking um, at, a, at her school level. And I'm going to tell you that there's two things we do with sweet potatoes. To make it fun, I sort of talk about the fact that Sweet potatoes are immortal, basically, and the potatoes are immortal, but especially sweet potatoes, because you all know this, but you can take a sweet potato slip, which is basically, you know how you get the eyes in the sweet Mm -hmm. potatoes? Well, you just let them grow um, until they're about four inches big, and then you very carefully cut them off of the sweet potato, put them in water for a week, and then they'll grow roots, and then you take that little plant and you plant it in the garden. Um... So, in a sense, this is, I call it the, like, if the zombie apocalypse happens mm-hmm. and you have a sweet potato, and it will. you can survive. <laughs> so, um, we do a lot of things with sweet potatoes in the garden. Like, this year I did a controlled experiment where we put rooting hormone in um, half of the water, and then the others we did not, and we're going to be um, digging those out, which is so fun. Like you said, it's there's nothing better than digging out potatoes after... You know, as soon as the vine dies, you go crazy, and it's like a treasure hunt. And so we'll be measuring the yield from the potatoes that the slips that had rooting hormone versus the slips that didn't have rooting hormone in November. Um, And so, yeah, I love sweet potatoes. All right. All right. No more about potatoes. Okay, now. (laughs) So we've got got make it fun off the table. We've got potatoes off off the the table. table. (laughs) Nancy and Lorraine, what have you got for us? I'm going to talk about immortality and sustainability with seeds. So we have talked about um, starting a sweet potato, but you can start any seed in a mini greenhouse in your classroom or home if you repurpose clamshells, you know, those plastic that containers. Are, that I found out recently are not recyclable no, in a lot of places. So yeah. this is where you use them, and those can be your mini greenhouse. If you put a uh, seed starter in there, you can test uh, your seed viability if you're saving seeds, and this is the immortality part of it. So you <laughs> may have heirloom seeds if you're not sure if these are going to uh, sprout. You can start them in a clamshell so you have the humidity uh, created in that little greenhouse. So that's a good place to do some seed viability testing, say, in February or you know, when you want to put things if you're having a spring garden. If you want to <clears throat> also... Uh, start seeds in one of those. You can start any seed, and in a clamshell, you have a mini greenhouse. Mm-hmm. You can start your tomatoes there, your green peppers, any of your summer vegetables in February. And as they grow, you're going to up-pot them to larger pots. Right. But you've got a good start in that humid environment without having mm-hmm. to cloud mist your entire yeah. classroom uh, sill or living room. 
this is a we had a, a guy last week ask us how to grow moss indoors, and he was going to do it in mm-hmm. Altoid tins. And I'm thinking he should get one of those clamshells or, or because the it, takeout it, containers it'll from hold the moisture better. Yes, yeah. well, plastic the, takeout want, containers with you the, want the with plastic the clear ones top. so you can see yeah, what's some going have clear on. Tops right. Yes, too. and they're usually they have enough air circulating mm-hmm. in them yeah. and humidity, and they're great for growing. Great. So that's a great tip. All right, let's. We're moving on to Ed and Gina. What do you guys got for us? So Ed's going to speak from a non-gardener's perspective. Yeah. So our backgrounds is Gina's uh, horticulture and biology, and mine is social work and working with schools and mm-hmm. teams and that. So for me, the tip is because the first two years we had the garden, I didn't do anything because it was just too much work. <laughs> and part of what got me involved in it was just starting slowly of like, okay, what can I do to help? And that's one of the things that we heard a lot of people at the Nature Play conference uh, back in the spring talk about is really looking for what do people want to help with as as the gateway in. So for me, it was just watering and being like, wait a second, this is cool. Stuff is growing and I can take some responsibility for this now. Um, and also, you know, I'll just leave that one. But that to me is has been what I love seeing kids do is when they come in, we got kids in the neighborhood, they see us unloading the car with plants. They're like, can we help? Mm-hmm. And when we're not there, we actually got yelled at them by the other day because we weren't there when they were on their way home from school <laughs> and they had nothing, they, they couldn't help us. So the from a, you know, from just an ease perspective to ease people in and get yeah. people involved, I, I suggest even if you're not a gardener, plant something. Talk to a neighbor, knock on someone's door. If you see a plant that looks cool or looks good, ask them for a sample. You have nothing to lose. They'll, I will go to Keeler Gardens and we'll dig something up for you. We have over 220 cultivars on our property. Wow. And we will dig something up that we know will grow in this clay soil. And just all you need is a shovel. Pot. Or in a pot. Just plant something. Get your hands dirty. I'll be there. Oh, not yeah. me. You're not talking to me. Okay. You are, please, we we are constantly splitting because plants you know grow. Uh, as Peggy knows, and we both have plants in flats in our backyards that are staring yeah, at still, us, still staring yeah, us at too. us. Us too. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and saying, are you, yeah. you ever going to plant us? Are you, <laughs> you going to ever get us out of this cell? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've watered us all summer, so why don't you just <laughs> plant us? us? And it's really, really cold now, so please put your yeah. So come by, and we'll oh. give plants away, and we can get you started with, even if it's just one plant. Well, con- yes, real quick. So I want to jump on what Ed spoke about, and uh, I just can't leave fun behind. You know, everyone in a community <laughs> wants to bring the gifts they have to offer, and there is nothing a person finds more fun than bringing their interests, their concerns, and their abilities, and everybody's got a different set of them. All right, and that's true. And and utilize that if you can. Um, thank you all so much for coming in and thank being, you for having being on us phone, very much on the phone. Thank Re- you Re- so much. Uh, uh, Regina Hawkins from Southside Occupational, Marnie Ware from Prosser Community Garden at Prosser Career Academy, Ed Kaplan with a C, not a K at Keeler Gardens, <laughs> Gina Iliopoulos from Keeler Gardens, Nancy Judah and Lorraine Kells. From Lakeview Community Garden at Diversity. Yes, wave to the, the folks. And wave to Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, <laughs> if you want to stick around, we got a, a forecast from Rick DeMaio, our meteorologist. You're all gardeners. <laughs> the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We'll be right back. This is Peggy Malecki. The end of summer doesn't mean the end of growing season. That's when I bring tropicals, scented geraniums, and herbs onto my porch, plug in my Happy Leaf LED grow lights, and watch them thrive all winter long. 50,000-plus-hour minimum lifespan, five-year warranty, 
USA made. Go to happyleafled.com and save 10% on purchases above $100 when you use the code MIKE. Happy Leaf LED Grow Lights, summer light in the middle of winter. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Fall is a perfect time to reflect on the beauty of trees, and your memory about a favorite tree could win you tickets to Illumination Tree Lights at the Morton Arboretum this coming holiday season. Or you could get a spot in an Open Lands Tree Keeper course. Just tell a story about a tree that has special meaning to you. To enter, submit your tree story online through the end of October to Tremendous Trees, a project of the Morton Arboretum and Open Lands. Go to tree-stories.org. This is Your Talk. One of the few true originals of our time. On 1590 WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Old black magic has me in a spell. Old black magic that you weave so well. We're talking about gardening, of course. Those icy fingers up and down my spine. Old black magic. If anybody ever wants to learn to swing dance, Ed is a teacher. Oh, cool. All right. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We still have some of our gardeners uh, in the room here. Uh, but let's go to our meteorologist, Rick DeMaio. Rick, good morning. Uh, good morning, Mike and Peg. I am driving through beautiful southern Wisconsin right now, and uh, your signal is coming through loud and clear. Excellent. Um, Rebecca and I are up here um, defacing every Scott Walker sign that we can see. About that. <laughs> <laughs> good for you. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that? Yes. What? Yes. Y- yes. What? I just did, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, I guess you did. Oh man, uh, we're not. <laughs> no, that's okay. That's you know. See, I thought what you, <laughs> I thought you were going to make a reference to last night's football game, uh, but uh, you. Didn't. Oh God, no! Don't get me going. Don't get me going there. I know Wisconsin was zero for two last night with the Brewers, um, and the Badgers. I was actually at the Chicago Wolves game. Where there's free parking this Northwestern did fine. <laughs> yeah, Peggy says Northwestern did fine, and I and I reminded you last. Oh my God, wasn't that crazy? Yeah, and uh, the baseball season's over. Yeah, Rick, it's, gone. it's over. It's done. Okay. I know, I know, I know. Yeah, Yankees lost. I got gotcha. you. But uh, <laughs> oh. the, did they? Did they? What did, what did I say that was wrong? Did they get knocked out of the playoff? The Yankees. Yeah, you don't have to remind me. Um, <laughs> But uh, uh, it's beautiful up here. The grass is green, the corn is brown, and the trees are a mixture of uh, orange, um, a little bit of muted red. Um, the colors still haven't gotten down here yet, but I hear to the north they're doing well. And this area tomorrow morning could actually see a little bit of snow. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Wow. No. Yeah, just, just like... just like, Unacceptable. No, I like that. Just like we did. On, on Thursday across central Illinois, I don't think I've ever seen us go from mid-80s, two days in a row with the heat index close to 90 degrees, to a little covering of wet snow from Peoria to Bloomington 
uh, Pontiac, but uh, it's been that type of October. Matter of fact, it's snowing right now um, heavily in the mountains of Colorado and Denver. Uh, all the way down to 5,000 feet could easily get three to six inches of snow. So, in fact, if you're watching a little bit of the uh, NFL highlights of the Broncos playing the Los Angeles Rams, uh, it'll be white and windy. Wow. This is not normal. Okay, Mr. Old... <laughs> <laughs> Barack... what, is, what is the new normal, right? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, yeah, that's true. What is the new normal? And that's kind of what we're 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 talking about here. Um, uh, I've heard a lot of people talking about it on TV this week in the wake of the, uh, of Hurricane Michael in Florida about, yeah. how, about how fast that ramped up. Um, and, uh, what, what are, what's your, uh, take on that, uh, Mr. DeMaio? Well, you know, if you, if you look at where hurricanes generally tend to form, uh, in mid-October into mid-November, uh, Michael formed exactly where it was supposed to form in the Yucatan Straits. If you go back and look at where Hurricane Wilma formed, that's exactly where it forms. Uh, the fact that it was able to move northward uh, and remains somewhat intense, I think, is a testament to the fact that uh, the ocean waters, as we've talked about many, many times, are running about three to four degrees above normal. Um, so with that said, it's not surprising that it ramped up to a Category 3 to a Category 4 uh, what is surprising that it literally almost became a Category 5, similar to what Hurricane Harvey did right along the coast of Texas last year. And I think part of that is due to the fact that the continental shelf in that area is fairly shallow. Um, and when you have very warm water that has not been disturbed, um, a hurricane literally uses every last bit of energy that it can get its, quote, hands-on. Uh, but this storm deepened... Um, pretty much from a mid-range three to almost a Category 5. I think meteorologists have to look themselves in the mirror and, said, and say to themselves, this was actually a Cat 5 um, when, it, when it made landfall. Mm -hmm. And what, what is also somewhat surprising is the number of people that still stayed, even though uh, two days before it was a Category 3, always forecast to be a low-end 3, and then 12 hours before was forecast to be a Category 4. And you still had people say, no, we're going to ride this one out. And I think people are finally getting the message that you can't win against a Category 4 hurricane. And this isn't meant to say, you know, nah, 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 I told you so. But it, it just tells, it just is, is meant to say that in this world of extreme variabilities, you have to more so plan for the worst than planned for what used to happen, which was, well, in the past, these things have weakened. Yeah, they do weaken sometimes, but I think more so in the future, we're seeing these things ramp up to a very, mm -hmm. very high intensity. And, and the pictures are devastating from that area, absolute yeah. destruction uh, in the Mexico Beach area. And the only saving grace is that that area is actually quite small, population of only 1,200 people. Uh, literally, the people where where area uh, that that area where people live goes in maybe about a mile and then it stops. But if you would have been five to ten miles further west in the Panama City area, you would not be talking about thirty or forty people dying. You'd be talking about three to four hundred due to the mm -hmm. fact that you had still a fairly large number of people who stayed behind. 
Yeah, and I think the takeaway from it is what you just said, that the old rules don't apply for evacuating. Used exactly. to be these folks, you know, the old timers say, ah, we've ridden them out before. It doesn't work right. that way. It doesn't work that way anymore. No, no, yeah. no it, it, it really doesn't. Um, and the buildings that did survive uh, were the ones that were in, you know, somewhat concrete pillars and stilts. But even those, Mike and Peg, we've seen what happens when you have, and, and, I, and I hate saying Category 4, that was a 5. Yes, I mean, it was. Yeah. Mile per hour winds, that was a 5. You see what happens when you have Category 5 winds with Camille and with Andrew, and I still remember Andrew like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. People were like, oh, my God, I can't believe how bad it was. That's what Category 5 damage is. It's literally S4 tornado damage over a path mm-hmm. of easily 5 miles. And the thing about it is, tornadoes last for about 90 seconds. If you look back at the observations, this went on for 20 minutes. I can't imagine. I can't imagine what it was like for the people who stayed behind listening to that wind and, and trying to figure out, you know, at what point is my house going to come in and collapse on me? Yeah. It, it must have been just absolutely awful. All right. We need, we've got uh, we got to wrap it up here. So we've got gardeners in the room who want to know what end-of-season conditions they're going to have right now. Yeah. If, if your stuff didn't freeze the night before or last night, it'll definitely freeze tomorrow morning. Uh, probably upper 20s, low 30s. A little bit of rain mixed with snow late tonight. It's not going to stick. Uh, cold tomorrow, a little bit of warmth during the middle of the week, uh, but basically another chance for some freezing temperatures by the end of the week. It's been a very, very quick flip. Uh, the flip has occurred, and I doubt we're going to go back to the warm stuff. No, Wait, no, I no. need more 70s, and Mike still has to play more golf games. I need one more golf game to get in. <laughs> well, we can get more golf in. No problem with that. But um, You better do it about uh, 1 yeah, o'clock in the afternoon, right? the sun shining and yeah. warm yeah. That's, about, that's about right, yeah. All right. Rick, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Sure. We'll, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Take care, guys. All right. Bye-bye. I want to thank everybody on the show today. Wow, we had uh, just a, a, an amazing group of people, Thomas Rayner. And, again, you can get information uh, about him at my website and go to the Impact Conference. Today's the last day to register for that. Uh, Marnie Ware from uh, Prosser Community Garden, Regina Hawkins from Southside Occupational, Ed Kaplan, Gina Iliopoulos from Keeler Gardens, Nancy Judah, Lorraine Kells from Lakeview Community Garden at Diversity. And as I mentioned before, you folks who uh, want to contribute to Chicago Excellence in Gardening, yeah, let's. I could use Send a sponsor. Us a note. Send us a note. <laughs> Just drop me a line. You, you will be a hero to gardeners all over the city. Uh, that's about it. Until, oh, wait. You, you guys say go home when I point to you, all right? Okay. Ne- until next time, go green or go home. <laughs> Yeah, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.